Carmina Constantino. Welcome to this episode of After the Fact, where we get to see things more clearly, where we get a better sense of the truth. So let's begin by dissecting the news. This afternoon, the UK donated 415,000 doses of AstraZeneca's COVID vaccine arrived in the country. Tomorrow, more than 3 million doses of Moderna jabs donated by the US will be welcomed by President Duterte. The vaccine arrivals, a shot in the arm for the country's vaccination program, which will be the main focus of the country's capital when it goes back into the strictest lockdown in a matter of days. But here's the thing. As local chief executives prepare for this, a group of people, doctors included, are coming out with warnings. Their claim is this, not enough studies have been done on these vaccines and therefore they're dangerous. How might this put the vaccination program in peril? Be part of our discussion, send us your questions and your comments on our YouTube live chat or tweet us using the hashtag ANC after the fact. And joining us tonight, Dr. Benigno Igi Agbayani. He is the president of the Concerned Doctors and Citizens of the Philippines. And also with us, health reform advocate, Dr. Tony Liachon. Doctors, good evening to you and thank you for joining us tonight. All right, good evening. All right. Uh, good evening, Carmina. And good evening, Iggy. Uh, good All evening, right. everyone. Interesting discussion we're going to have tonight. Let me start off with Dr. Iggy Agbayani here. How is your position um, not endangering lives, yours included? Well, first of all, uh, our position at the Concerned Doctors and Citizens of the Philippines is that we're against mandatory vaccination. And we, we would allow the individual to make their decisions. And we would like to help in that decision by providing as much information that is truthful as possible. So we're not trying to tell you not to vaccinate, but we're trying to give you information. But you do have members who are out there, um, Dr. Agbayani, who were saying vaccines are hazardous to one's health. How might that reconcile with what you just said? If, if that is their research, uh, I believe you were referring to Dr. Kehano. He, he has done extensive research. He was a former professor at the UP College of Medicine, and he gave his uh, references. So uh, we should accept it as that. Hmm. And you feel that that's not endangering people's lives? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, if you think about it, uh, he might be saving lives by giving us uh, information about the dangers and risks uh, and even long-term hazards of vaccination. Let's go to Dr. Tony Lechon now. Dr. Lechon, how do you make sense of this opposing view that number one, um, vaccines endanger people's lives, vaccines are hazardous. Um, how is this not irresponsible? Well, I think it's uh, in, in this time that you have a global pandemic right now, and knowing that um, you have the science behind it, you have clinical trials um, done by a reputable pharmaceutical organization. I must disclose that I used to be uh, part of this, but I'm right now 11 years retired from that industry. And even uh, uh, I was not part of the uh, uh, pharma industry. I, I believe that it's an important uh, Factor. It's, in fact, it's life-saving, it's a game-changer. Because when, when you were born, of course, you know that vaccines are very important, right from birth. And um, of course, let's say measles and everything. You know, from the discovery of the um, polio vaccines and, 
and all of these things. These are landmark uh, discoveries. And I would say for many centuries, uh, this has been the case. And it's not far, of course, um, for this particular issue, like a, a pandemic. And you, you, you went through the rigors of clinical trial, and then you have to pass through the rigorous, of course, uh, regulatory approval by the FDA. The only situation right now is that um, you don't have to complete the, uh, the, the clinical trial, so they, they call it an emergency um, uh, utilization approval so that you can actually market right away because millions of people will die. And then after uh, completing the clinical trial, then you, you will actually um, request for a, a permanent uh, certificate of product registration so that the procurement will not go through the uh, government and you can fast track that through the private sector. Mm -hmm. So that is the usual situation. So based on this, this following uh, statement, uh, vaccines are proven to be uh, effective, uh, safe, and they're, uh, they're usually quality-based, quality and they are supported by, uh, 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 I would say, reputable uh, regulatory agencies like the FDA. And every regulatory agency all around the world in our country is the FDA. And of course, um, you have here a watchdog, which is the World Health Organization, monitoring the uh, vaccine development and the vaccine execution. Mm -hmm. So to me, um, I believe in the concept that um, if you the, the vaccines are efficacious and safe, uh, and we need to use that so that we can actually achieve herd immunity, around 70% of the population. And of course, this would be the permanent, I would say, measure to end the pandemic. And, and therefore, this will bring back normalcy in our lives. So let me go back. Yeah, sorry to cut you there, Dr. Leachon, but let me go back to um, Dr. Iggy. Um, Dr. Agbayani, both sides are claiming, let's follow the science, correct? Um, I've listened um, to the proponents coming from um, your group, Dr. Agbayani, and of course, I know as well the stand of a Dr. Tony Liachon and others, uh, other doctors and like-minded doctors. Um, but where, um, a doc Dr. Agbayani, where is the lack of trust coming from? If you say that you're following the science, uh, well, where is the lack of trust coming from? Go ahead. First of all, science is not reliant on trust. Science is about being skeptical about things where you should question, uh, uh, keep on testing, keep on challenging. So it's not just about trust. So, uh, for example, if you tell me the vaccine is safe, you have to prove to me that it's actually safe uh, to every uh, patient mm. where they all tested. So some questions that have to be answered, for example. But then when we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's going to take years for those questions to be answered. Oh, absolutely. You're right. However, we, we should still be concerned Just because you have a uh, pandemic doesn't mean that every drug will be used. As an example of that is ivermectin. They keep saying that it doesn't have enough studies and they haven't even allowed it for emergency use when we have shown 60 studies. So the same is true when we, when we challenge uh, vaccines. We want to show you that there are studies also that uh, doesn't show that it's actually as safe or as effective as I have said. 
Mm. Uh, remember that science does require an independent view of things to be truly uh, honest. So, so th- for example, uh, Dr. Quijano has mentioned that uh, the, 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 the big pharma that has been supporting vaccines have a long history of problems with vaccines as well. And they haven't been forthright about their, their recommendations in the past. And that is, you can actually do your research on that and it's very clear. So, so should we trust one study based on a study made by the company itself? Should independent studies be made? So that's one question you have to answer. So, and then the next question is the, the, the duration of these studies. It hasn't been, been yet one year, so we don't really know the long-term uh, complications of these studies. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Dr. Tony, Dr. Lietzhan, I, I want to get your, your thoughts on let, what let, you, let, you just said. Go ahead. Right. So i just uh, answer Iggy. Well, well, Iggy, to be very transparent about it, it's very dangerous and reckless, Iggy, to make a call, uh, particularly for you, that you are advocating ivermectin, which has not been approved by the regulatory agency, FDA, and even the WHO. And um, to use that particular premise in order to push ivermectin that vaccines are not uh, safe, then it is like uh, a the loss of moral and social responsibility, Iggy. And right now, since we're grappling with this particular problem, you, you add up right now to the problem most people, particularly your respected doctor. And that would be actually be um, increasing the vaccine hesitancy, decreasing the acceptability, in a time that we are actually procuring vaccines, so so I think we should we should we should be careful about that. Uh, Iggy, I think uh, because, uh, uh, let, let me finish Iggy, the three. Let me finish the, let me finish the three statements. Let me finish the three statements because uh, I think we we should declare here our conflict of interest since I declared mine, and it should be clear about it because uh, um, you presented about pushing the ivermectin. And um, just connecting the dots, I, I don't want to uh, disabuse the thought that uh, uh, we're, we're actually killing the vaccines while promoting another product, which is not FDA approved. Hmm. And here you are, uh, even if Dr. Kehan is a respected pharmacologist, this is some person, you know that the uh, pharmaceutical companies would use uh, academic institutions with good credentials and it would go to the, rig- the rigor of the clinical trials. So it should be said that uh, there should be bias at that. And uh, at the end of the day, no drug is risk-free. Uh, even aspirin, uh, aspirin has been with us for 100 years. And, and the benefits outweigh the risk. That's why we're actually embracing it. And, and, and to prove that, you need, of course, long-term clinical trials. And that's the issue behind post-marketing surveillance trial, because you will not actually see that on the first year and second year. And there is a signal right now of safety, then that is the time to pull out. But to sweep, but to create or um, declare a sweeping statement that the drug is not safe, and that is actually a disservice right now to the to the men and women who are actually doing their thing and trying to be of service to the nation, particularly in this time of crisis. Let me go back I'm, very, to, I'm, I'm very sorry about that statement. Let me go back to Dr. Agbayani now, to the point of Dr. Lietzhan on the use of ivermectin. You said it yourself, your group also supports the use of ivermectin, but how do you then reconcile that um, uh, um, 
with your support um, for ivermectin. You're saying there are not enough studies that um, back up uh, the use of vaccine, but is it true that the studies on ivermectin, those are also inconclusive. So why support no, ivermectin no, 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 and not support the, uh, giving out the vaccines or administering vaccines? Go ahead, Dr. Agbayan. Thank you. Uh, first, let me address the, the initial statements by Dr. Liachon, calling me as irresponsible for taking the position that the safety of vaccines has not been proven 100%. So I never said that it's very unsafe. I just said that it still lacks proof of uh, long-term safety. So I don't think it's right for me, for him to call me irresponsible being a doctor myself. So that is what really sort of like irks me. You know, we don't call anyone else who doesn't prescribe uh, uh, ivermectin as irresponsible when we think that it does. But remember that two drugs or the two methods are not congruent. Ivermectin has not yet been approved, uh, at least authorized for emergency use while the vaccines has already been authorized for emergency use. And we are spending billions of pesos on, on vaccines already. So there's a big difference on that. Now, if you want to really compare between uh, ivermectin and uh, vaccines, well, uh, ivermectin has a 40-year history of use already, being a repurposed drug. And it has one of the safest profiles of many, many drugs worldwide over the 40 years. So much so that in the past four, uh, at least 15 years, uh, VG Access has only reported 20 deaths from the use of ivermectin. Compare that to vaccines, uh, at least in the virus reporting, I think they reported around, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 6,000 deaths already. And if you look at the, the VG Access uh, data, which is uh, sponsored by the WHO itself, they have ne nearly 9,000 deaths related to COVID-19, uh, to the vaccine. Although I am not saying that that is a direct relationship. It's just that they followed, uh, death followed after the vaccination, but there's no direct link to them. Yeah, but let's let's qualify Car that. Um, let's Car qualify Carmina, that first. Carmina, You're saying, Carmina sorry, Dr. Like Lechon, let me just put this uh, in edgewise. Um, when you talk about the use of ivermectin, um, the use didn't ex um, the use didn't exist in in a vacuum. Uh, the drug is also used as as part of a cocktail, and when you talk about the deaths um, that were linked to um, uh, vaccination, as you correctly pointed out, those weren't directly linked. Um, further investigation had to be done. We don't know if comorbidities also played uh, their role in, in in the deaths. Having said that, let's go back to regulatory bodies. Um, what's the use now of our very own FDA? Um, if you will follow um, that line of, you know, just go ahead and use ivermectin. There's 40 years of study backing it up. Um, never mind that the FDA hasn't approved it. And yet you have um, FDA as well approving the emergency use of these vaccines. I guess the point here is, what's the use of all these regulatory bodies when at the very, at the end of the day, people like yourself will just um, continue to pursue what you want? And not respect what the FDA has said, uh, Dr. Agbayani. Well, because uh, the FDA, even the WHO, are, are, do not talk dogma. There's no such thing in, in science about dogma. So we can always question them. I think everyone knows that, uh, that science does require questioning. 
and they might change in the next few months. You really don't know. Uh, there's too much information out there just for a group of people to make a to make a decision. So we're just assisting or helping out, providing uh, alternative uh, information. So I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to question or even go against the WHO or even the FDA. Dr. Tony, you were trying to make a point a yeah, while ago. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I don't want this uh, particular statement to, to pass without apologizing to Iggy. Uh, for the information of everyone, Iggy is a colleague of mine. In fact, uh, he's, the, he's my surgeon uh, on my knee surgery. And uh, forgive me, Iggy, for uh, statement, staying, uh, stating that, state, uh, that particular uh, statement a while ago. Um, I apologize. Um, it, it is because uh, Iggy, uh, of, my, uh, of the connection of uh, Ibrahim McTeen, to the um, safety issues regarding the vaccine, because if we destroy right now the um, the uh, credibility of the vaccines, particularly from a reputable doctor like you, then it would actually uh, be a concern since we're grappling with the um, with the with the vaccine uh, rollout right now. So we're we're lacking volumes of stocks. We have a very high degree of vaccine hesitancy and acceptance. And um, if we will not also um, provide uh, clarity and also give credence as well as credibility to the regulatory agencies like the FDA, then what will happen to all of us? Though I, I'm sure you'll be doing a lot of research, but all of us should actually follow the law and the regulatory agencies would be the one to assess the efficacy and safety as well as the quality of the product. And that's the reason behind this. So if the ivermectin uh, has been uh, recognized, let's say, by the FDA, then we will follow that. But at this point in time, uh, there's not much reason for us to believe because the FDA has not declared it as something that will be uh, safe or uh, efficacious for the, for the uh, ordinary citizen. But vaccines, you know how how it is being done right now, even in the US and other countries, uh, they actually made a fast track approval because it is needed. And because of the, uh, the the benefits that would outweigh the risk, they're doing that. And because it was passed through the regulatory agencies, and that's the reason why we believe it. And as a law-abiding citizen, as a physician, um, we are bound, of course, to follow the FDA regulation. Um thank you. Yeah, um, Dr. Agbayani, what are you waiting for in terms of your research and in terms of the information out there that would make you change your mind about the vaccines? Uh, okay, I, I like your assumption that we are waiting for us to be change our mind. Actually, the, the longer that we wait and the, 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 the more uh, cases that I see, of complications, even some of my patients, it seems like to me that uh, I hope even our government changes mind. So I'd like to take that position rather than me changing my mind. Because like I said, the numbers of, of, of deaths, of adverse reactions are increasing. Uh, give for example what happened in Norway, uh, where they had to pause for a while because they noted that there were more deaths from the elderly given the vaccine. Hmm. So in that particular case, they were able to pause and assess first when they found out 
that 10 of the 100 patients actually were killed by the virus. And this was based on a study already in Norway. And they found out that during the time that there was no vaccination, there were less deaths. So those facts uh, are coming out slowly, but surely. So I, I also hope that you have an open mind to what we are doing. We're not, we don't want harm to our, to our countrymen. We are law-abiding citizens as well. We, we do prescribe ivermectin. We follow the law. I don't think uh, it's right to say that we are not law-abiding citizens at all. And we would like to do the same with the uh, vaccine. We do it by providing uh, enough information that is uh, independent. Uh, that could go against the flow of things, but if they're independent enough, I'm sure their intent is not bad. It probably is a good intent as well. Let me just go back to what you said. You said that you hope that government as well will change, that government will change its mind about the vaccination. Are you saying that government should halt the vaccination program? If, if, the, data does show, if, if the data does show that, uh, for example, that we should not give, be giving it to the very early, say 75 years old, that there more 75 year old dying from it, or for example, a certain brand of vaccine is causing more complications than others, then we have a choice. We don't really have to, uh, you know, sometimes you call it a rabbit hole that we got in that we can't get out anymore. I think uh, in, in history might judge us as, as something like that. Uh, we did not listen to the, to the information or we did not allow enough information to be given uh, freely. Hmm. I'm just going to go to um, Dr. Tony very quickly. Have you been vaccinated yes, against uh, COVID? Yes, uh, AstraZeneca. Okay, Dr. Have you been vaccinated? Uh, no, no, I have not. But uh, have you been vaccinated, um, Dr. Tony, against any other illness in your life, in your entire life? Complete, even with the flu and pneumonia vaccine. Dr. Agbayani, have you been vaccinated against any other illness in your entire life? Yes, I have. Uh, I think complete also hepatitis B as well because uh, we are hospital workers. So Yeah. So what makes you, um, what made you amenable to getting vaccinated then against the other illnesses that you mentioned and not against COVID-19? Excellent question because, uh, as you know, COVID-19 vaccines are not authorized meaning there's no strong safety and efficacy evidence yet. It is authorized under emergency use only. Remember that. Uh, remember, you cannot even sue uh, these vaccine companies if something happens to you because they are all under emergency use authorization and they have this indemnity clause with them. Those other vaccines that you mentioned, like, uh, like uh, hepatitis, uh, polio, They've gone through many years of testing uh, through many countries, different eth ethnic groups, different races, and, and we have assessed them quite well. So I think uh, I'm happy to take them. If, if, if so, that a COVID-19 vaccine comes along that would have the same uh, safety and efficacy profile, I'd have mm -hmm. it as well. Um, okay. Um, as you guys know, in, in our intro, we did say that we are live on YouTube as well, and we encourage people to um, send in their comments and, your, and their questions as well. We have a few of them coming in. This is from Zve Kalaustro. Um, this is addressed to Dr. Agbayani. Sorry, I'm trying to... <laughs> 
I apologize. I'm trying to look for my glasses. Okay. Um, if not with a vaccine, how would you stop the transmission of this virus as well as its uh, mutation? And that may add to that, what are the alternatives? Yeah, if, that's a very ahead. good question, actually. Uh, in fact, that was one of the part of the talk of Dr. Kihano uh, when he said that there are alternatives to vaccination. We remember that the vaccination is not the only uh, way we can stop the, the pandemic. He, we, we offer, for example, the CDC uh, to in, increase our immune response. And we can do that by many ways, by exercise, by treating our comorbids like uh, uh, metabolic, cardiometabolic diseases. Uh, we can add vitamin D, vitamin C, and many other things that we can do. And remember, if you think about it, uh, the vaccine may be weak when it comes to giving uh, an immune response to the elderly because they experience immunosenescence as you go older. So even if you give them a vaccine, this particular group of population where uh, most people die, 60, they say that 60% of people who die from COVID-19 are from the elderly, may not have a strong immune uh, sort of strengthening caused by the vaccine because of mm. immunosenescence. Uh, Dr. Lechon, go ahead. Carmina, I'd just like to answer the <laughs> statement ni Iggy. Kasi I think it's very important. Eh. Alam mo yung um, 10 years uh, or 10 months in development. Kasi it, they're concerned about the speed of the achievement. Mm -hmm. But this uh, efficiency savings and vaccine development, it doesn't mean that the vaccine safety has been compromised. It's an unprecedented combination of all the scientists as well as the other organizations, political will, and many philanthropies, the Gabi and everything. So they collapse on one particular project and drop everything. Mm -hmm. Now, regarding the Norway, usually you have a reporting of the adverse reaction for every drug for that matter, not only vaccine. So the Norway incident, you remember that these were 80 years old and fragile individuals. So you have to put that in the product label if there are uh, weak and sickly, then you have to not give the vaccine. You remember the first um, vaccine, Margaret Keenan, 91 yeah. years old from UK. And you remember Queen Elizabeth, 94. And you remember Prince Philip, 99. So you have to put that. And then, of course, the, um, the adverse event related to AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson. So after proper evaluation, they were paused for a while. And you have to put that in the product label so that for full disclosure, the doctor will actually tell the patients the risk-benefit ratio. And it's up to the patient to decide and what is best. And that's the reason why we're doing this. The other one is that about law-abiding citizen. The ivermectin is not approved for COVID. It's approved for a certain indication. So it's an off-label indication. It's present there in the market. But it's your responsibility right now to give it for the proper use. But mm. not all doctors are actually doing that. Mm -hmm. And then regarding the EUA, it is a process for emergency approval. After one year that you have satisfied the requirement of the FDA, right now in the U.S., they're moving right now for full approval so that they can give the full approval so that the private sector can order and not pass through the government so that you can fast track the the implementation as well as the vaccination. This is a process. And in ordinary times, you don't have the EUA. You, you only have the certificate of product registration. Yeah. Now, after a given time, you after the EUA, you apply for full 
approval. So this is basically the thing. Regarding the other things, alternative, I think with the lifestyle modification, you not you cannot completely achieve herd immunity. And therefore, if you will not achieve herd immunity, you will never permanently end the pandemic. And we will never actually have, uh, we will not be able to recover the economy and bring back lives to, our, to normalcy. And that's basically the reason why we are doing and pushing hard for vaccination for 70% to 100% of the population. Dr. Agbayani, you said a while ago, you mentioned alternatives, supplements, exercise, and all that. I want to focus on the supplements. And that's going to cost a lot of money. And in a country um, where majority live below the poverty line, they'd rather spend that money elsewhere. Whereas this vaccine, it's coming to them free. What is, oh, what's okay. your sense about that? Uh, first of all, vitamin D, you can get that for free. Uh, you just need to get some exposure. Uh, vitamin C, uh, that's very cheap. You can get that from calamansi, from many vegetables and plants. Uh, maybe the treatment of the comorbids would be a difficult part, but that should be also be given free by the government through primary health care. So I think that, that is not, uh, in fact, expensive, but in fact, a cheaper way to go about it. Uh, what was the other point you mentioned? The second part, I think. No, uh, that being given that, free, that. being given free, that's not true. Taxpayers' money is not free. That's how many billions of pesos a year, and it looks like we will be having it just annually. So, are we saying that uh, seventy billion pesos annually is free? Hmm. I don't think so. Dr. Tony, your reaction to that? Uh, my reaction is that uh, these supplements are not evidence-based. So we have uh, supplements, and these are usually labeled by the government, uh, uh, no therapeutic benefits. You can see that. So therefore, I only use drugs which are evidence-based that can actually improve your symptoms, mild, moderate, and severe, mm. number one, that can prolong your life, uh, that would be actually saving your life. Now, if these uh, supplements can actually improve um, survival uh, as well as um, improve the symptoms, then uh, it, it should be uh, categorized as level one indication. So, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you can talk about the supplements, but you know there's a classification there by the FDA, no therapeutic benefits. Yeah. So, para lumalabas siya placebo in the first place. Mm. I don't subscribe to a lot of supplements. I only look at the particular product label and the website. And if it is uh, actually addressing, if this particular drug can address my symptoms and it can improve my symptoms, I will use that. If that particular drug can prolong my life, I will use that. Mm. If, if that particular drug can actually improve my, the quality of life, then I will use that. Now, if that particular supplements can actually address these three things, then I will be uh, forced to use that. But at this point in time, there are no solid evidences based on the three things mentioned. Okay. Gentlemen, we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about vaccine hesitancy. As we said a while ago, this two-week lockdown that is, that's about to happen here in the capital, that's going to be used by local chief executives to ramp up vaccination in their areas. 
But with all this, um, these pronouncements coming from the group of uh, Dr. Agbayani, the question is, how might that put this vaccination program in peril? We're going to address vaccine hesitancy when we come back. You're watching After the Fact here on ANC. Stay with us. We are back. We're still watching After the Fact here on ANC and still with us, Dr. Iggy Agbayani and Dr. Tony Lechon. Um, Dr. Agbayani, you wanted to uh, um, issue your rebuttal to what Dr. Lechon said a while ago. Go ahead. You have the time now. First of all, I accept his apology regarding that uh, a little bit of a personal thing. Thank you, Iggy. Of uh, being, uh, you know, irresponsible. Uh, on, the, on the rebuttal on the vitamin D and vitamin C, uh, on the level of evidence that it works, well, much the same with vaccines. The, the level of evidence is not yet that strong because they're not yet uh, uh, very uh, wide uh, or multi-studies of a particular vaccine. Remember, every vaccine is different. So, so that's also, we should question, if you should question vitamin D, which has been had long studies of respiratory diseases and recently some randomized control studies, then I think we should also consider them highly. So that's about it. Okay. Um, earlier, we, I think it was Dr. Agbayani who touched on the deaths um, resulting um, from um, the vaccination um, of some people. But I don't know what, um, who among you, who between the two of you, can answer this. But how many have been, how many have died? Um, because they were vaccinated, and how many died because they were unvaccinated what's science telling us well, what's the data well the data we have here at the uh, in the department of at least locally no i have the I have to research globally on that but uh, the percentage of adverse re reaction is only around 1.44% for the, the department of health and i have yet to see a um, vaccine-related death or announced by the Department of Health, at least by the Department of Health. Mm -hmm. But since you asked me that question, then perhaps uh, I would like to search globally what would be uh, the number of deaths related to uh, relate, vaccine-related deaths and, of course, the adverse events. Of course, there are you know some certain adverse events related to certain um, vaccines. Let's say uh, for uh, mRNA vaccine, the Pfizer and Moderna, you have the pericarditis and myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, and the muscle. But these yeah. are just 1,200 cases. And then the magnitude of the use, 300 million doses all over the world. That will actually dilute the, um, the 1,200 common among males. And in the same light, they say for AstraZeneca, they say they can cause rare blood clots present in less than 30 years old or female. Hmm. But if you look at the blood clots related to to COVID is 165,000 per million uh, as compared with four in a million rare blood class for AstraZeneca. So if you're the regulatory agency and you need the drug, then you have to weigh the benefits and risks and explain that to the patient. And that's all at, at the end of the day is the patient's uh, decision. So um, I believe that um, uh, vaccine should be uh, should not be mandatory at this moment and it should be voluntary based on the uh, explanation of the physician and, of course, the decision of the patient. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, we're going to go to our viewers' questions and comments in a bit, but I want to go to Dr. Agbayani. Yeah. Doctor, I'm curious, how do you view these deaths of people um, that they died because they were unvaccinated against yeah. uh, the virus? Go uh, ahead. We, I don't think we have a conclusion already yet whether it really will slow down the, the, the ratio. For example, in the Philippines, you have 90% still unvaccinated and 10% vaccinated. And I think the ratio of people dying are practically the same. 10% of those who have been vaccinated uh, have also died. So I don't think we can make that conclusion that definitely vaccination will make you not die of the disease. So, so for example, uh, the reporting, the issue actually is the, the trust in, in which we put on the reporting. Hmm. I'll give you an example. For example, the virus reporting was in July from December and this is in the United States by the CDC. They initially reported 12,000 deaths uh, from the use of vaccines. And then a few hours later, they changed it to 6,000. So that made it a little bit suspicious. And then uh, in the in the VG access reporting, it's already 8,000 plus who have died after uh, the vaccination and more than a million with adverse interactions. But remember, this is also underreported because uh, this is voluntary in the in the WHO reporting. Mm. So it could be a small number of people dying from the vaccine. But how will you then explain what is happening in Israel? And this is the same question of uh, Charlie um, Grecochea. Um, this question is actually addressed to you, uh, Dr. Agbayani. How will you explain the case um, of Israel that when they had their massive vaccination, there was a drastic drop in their COVID cases? Yeah, uh, the difficulty with real real world numbers is that there could be many other factors involved. I'm not actually excluding the possibility that it can actually do stop uh, deaths. And uh, I'm really hopeful that it, it would do it. And I think there is some evidence already coming out, especially when it comes to the serum studies of those who already been vaccinated. And uh, in that aspect of efficacy, yes, I, I do believe that uh, vaccination could be a very good alternative. But with regards to the dangers that you might get with that, there's an issue of trust as well, because I don't think it's being reported honestly. For example, the, WH, the DOH has said that there have been zero deaths uh, related or linked to, to vaccination. And that's like an, an impossibility, you know. Parang to me, uh, how many people have been injected in the Philippines? Almost 10 million. Mm -hmm. And you report zero deaths. I, I think there's something that needs to be uncovered here. And and I think when they say zero deaths, that because they haven't really proved yet with the study that it was directly related to, to the vaccine, but they should have stated it that way, that they have not really concluded the studies which show that it concluded that there's a link to COVID, uh, to, to, to the vaccine, instead of saying zero deaths. It makes okay. it appear that it's so safe. Uh -huh. I do want to get to the questions because we're running out of time. This question also goes out to Dr. Agbayani from Presi Abelardo Cruz. She's asking if ivermectin is good, why they why can't they get approval from the FDA? Good question there coming from Presi. Go ahead, Dr. Agbayani. It's, uh, it's a very good question, and we've been asking that as well because we, we cannot reconcile exactly why they could not see what the uh, British Ivermectin Recommendation Group has been saying, what five other meta-analyses have been saying. Uh, of course, in, uh, it still goes against the WHO. We, we have also heavily criticized uh, 
for, for cherry picking their studies. So yes, we would like to know why, but uh, based on uh, independent uh, analysis, it looks like ivermectin should be used and it should be used now, especially if we're having another research and we don't have enough vaccination yet. Uh, Dr. Lechon, your thoughts on that? Well, um, I'd like to believe that... If ivermectin is good, why can't the FDA uh, approve it? Because there is not much solid evidence on that. I mean, I'm sure of that. And, you know, Iggy, you heard about the meta-analysis uh, uh, just published in the Cochrane, and it showed that the this particular drug can actually not be uh, used because of the lack of efficacy and safety and also pro pro prolong prolongation of life. So, so basically, that settled everything based on that particular study. Of course, you may, you may not believe that, but that is the basis why the DOAs and FDA have not uh, approved uh, ivermectin for uh, COVID-related uh, indications. Now, regarding the Israel study, uh, if you... Uh, had that particular comparison, UK, US, and of course, uh, Israel. Um, because of the high vaccination rate, around 60% of the population, they decreased the positivity rate less than 5%. And lo and behold, they really, really flattened the curve. But because of the entry and arrival of the Delta variant, it has changed the dynamics of the ball game. But those patients with, which are actually vaccinated, you decrease the hospitalization and deaths. And that's the reason why the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, said that uh, the, pan the pandemic right now is pandemic of the unvaccinated. And we should actually encourage everyone to be vaccinated so that if you will be able to uh, contract this virus, you will have um, less hospitalization and less deaths. And that is basically the reason for being vaccinated. Let's go with uh, Dr. Agbayani on this one. Um, doctor, you heard what Dr. Tony Lechon there. And, you know, the CDC really has been warning um, the rest of the world that this Delta surge now, it's going, it, it's going to be, if it hasn't um, done so already, um, be a pandemic for the unvaccinated. Yeah, it's easy to, to tag the unvaccinated as the reason for the failure of vaccines. Why not tag the vaccines as the failure? Why do you have to say that it's the unvaccinated? Uh, you can show me the studies where you compare the vaccinated to the to the unvaccinated and, and therefore declare that instead of just tagging the unvaccinated as the cause. There, for example, uh, ivermectin has worked well with Delta, the Delta virus in India. So why not use that? And we can show that in the studies in India where those areas or regions where ivermectin was used a lot, uh, they had controlled the Delta virus. But so isn't it true that India also didn't get the vaccinated majority my, my of point, my point being, in the middle of a surge? My, my point being, it's not just about vaccination. You cannot just blame people who did not vaccinate for the cause of failure. You can also cause the failure is the lack of primary health care, the lack of trying early treatment, the lack of... Uh, uh, increasing our immune response. So that's so unfair to just tag people who have not been vaccinated as the cause of failure. From Z55, also coming in from our YouTube live chat, Dr. Agbayani pointed out that vaccines are still under EUA and you can't even sue the manufacturer. It goes the same with ivermectin. So what's the difference, Dr. Agbayani and Dr. You Tony? can sue. 
you can certainly sue ivermectin, uh, whoever the manufacturer of your drug is. I think there's no rule against that. It's only vaccination that gets a, a free no-sue passport. Okay. Can I answer that? Yes, go ahead. Well, the indemnification is actually important for EUA because the clinical trial has not been finished. And once uh, the clinical trial has been finished, particularly the phase three trial, and it has been approved by the FDA, then that's the right time that the indemnification will actually be removed. You, you remove the, because in a patient under EUA, um, if you actually withdraw the support and you blame the particular company, then the whole world will suffer because you will blame the company for that and it is needed. But once they have full approval, the indemnification will stay, particularly in a clinical trial. But this one is something different because if you don't, um, and that's the reason why there's a, the, there's a law passed by the government that uh, they allocated 500 million so that um, if a certain patient would develop uh, uh, adverse reaction, then the, the field health will shoulder the expenses for this particular indication. And of course, this, this is not the uh, majority of the cases, this is minority, so that you can actually protect the product which is actually needed by the country at this point in time. So that is basically the reason for the indemnification. This is a so, comment coming from another viewer. Go ahead, Dr. Abayani, you want so to add something? Can we, can we challenge the vaccine companies, therefore, that claim that there's so little uh, deaths, so little adverse events, to really be the ones paying for the, those complications instead of Filipino taxpayers' money, uh, putting in money for indemnification to pay for the side effects for the complications of the vaccine? But, but, I, I but, think it, but that doesn't make sense to me. But, but it's not only for the Philippines. It's a global mandate, even in the but UK. Just because it's not only in the Philippines doesn't make it right. No, it's because it is the, the global mandate that you have to protect the product that would supposed to end the pandemic. And it just let's say for just oh, one yeah, just let's say for just let's say for one adverse event, then you have to sue the company. What will happen to the rest of the world? You have seven billion Philipp seven billion citizens all around the world, and just for one death you have to, you know, file a case against a certain company. I think that's that's not fair. Talking about the rest of the world, a gentleman. We have a comment here coming from Eric Carmona Taparan. He said vaccination is the only solution together with health protocols look at other countries they're almost normal businesses are coming back but the philippines without the vaccination we will be left behind will we be left behind um that question goes out to both of you let me ask uh, dr agbayani first and then dr tony you go next uh, certainly, uh, the numbers on the Philippines shows that it's uh, being left behind. But I don't think it should just be put on the heels of vaccination alone. There are many other issues when it comes to pandemic con pandemic control. And like I've been stating from the very start, it should be from primary health care, from, uh, from allowing early treatment, as, as the solutions, it cannot just be about uh, vaccination. And remember, I don't think the goal is to have zero COVID-19. I think that's an almost impossibility or rather an exception to the rule of control of uh, epidemics. So I, I think that the, what we can do is really to, to improve on our health, 
primary health care uh, is going to be long term, it's going to be healthy even for other diseases as well and no and less collateral damage. Okay, let, let me answer that. Okay. Is this my turn? Yes, yes, go ahead. I think vaccination should be equated, of course, to economic recovery because um, having uh, efficacious and safe, and safe vaccines will actually achieve herd immunity and herd immunity or else will lead to economic recovery or else the Philippines will be isolated from the rest of the world. We cannot uh, do business. Tourists will not come. Uh, business uh, Businessmen will not actually invest in the Philippines. We cannot even do our um, travel because certain countries right now are, are biased so with certain uh, vaccines or for certain unvaccinated individuals. You, you, you know what happened, of course, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia um, and the way to go. Um, certain countries uh, uh, have mandated uh, uh, that unvaccinated individuals cannot actually enter business establishment that is in France and then Italy and then, of course, Israel because that is the way to go. I mean, at this point in time, we're not ready for that particular drastic measure. But eventually, we need to, of course, uh, ensure that the workplace will be safe. And, um, and, and the best approach is, of course, to vaccinate at least 80 to 100% of the, of the um, workforce or even, or even the schools or even the community so that we can actually bring back normalcy to our lives. And that's the way to do it. Okay. And I and I don't and, and I don't see any reason or particular measure that can do this except vaccination. Okay, very briefly now, parting shots from both of you. As I said a while ago, in a matter of days, the capital will be going into the strictest form of its lockdown protocols. And they, they, the local government units, they're going to be using this time to keep on vaccinating people. Um because uh, vaccines save lives. What is the message here, um, uh, Dr. Agbayani? What's your message here? Is your message for the local government units to stop the vaccination program? If that is your message, what should they do during this two-week lockdown? And for Dr. Tony, um what's what's yeah, your no, message no. here go ahead um dr adbayani and then we go to dr tony go ahead thank you uh casey uh no that is not my message or the message of the concerned doctors and citizens of the philippines our message is to avoid coercion to to respect the human rights and our choices that each individual together with their doctor or what they have read uh, let their, their own uh, decision decide whether they need the vaccine or not. And for the government, if possible, to convince the people with trustworthy uh, information. Let us not hide things. Let us be transparent. Let us be open. Allow doctors like Kihanol to discuss it uh, from CDC as well, to discuss this openly instead of you know trying to be calling us names and things uh, instead of being transparent. That is the way to convince uh adults like us and and i don't think it's supposed to be coercion in the long run it will hurt uh our country's human rights as well doc tony two-week lockdown coming in a matter of days what's the message well the message um actually i don't believe in lockdowns uh right now as long as you actually fulfill the following you have to um install the healthcare 
capacities like uh, testing, tracing, contact tracing. Then you have to provide ayuda or social amelioration funds. And then you have to provide vaccination as well. Because that, that uh, particular um, two-week circuit breaker will be useless. And it is only used to buy time, of course, to prepare um, the healthcare capacities. Number two, we don't want to suffer from the predicament of Indonesia and, of course, India, that we only um, do a lockdown. We will only do a lockdown when the healthcare system is collapsed. Now, we should not actually reach that particular 15,000 um, peak in March in order to shut down. We don't like that. So we want to nip it in the bud while you are actually on the upward trend. You actually nip it in the bud. You, the fundamental principle is actually to slow down the virus so that you can actually decrease the transmission. But while doing that, you need to do the needful. And I repeat, we should not actually do uh, the, the, the two-week cir two circuit breaker or lockdown without funding the essential workers, without vaccination, without testing. For three months, the testing has been dismal. Um, the 16% positivity rate, the contact tracing is non-existent. And of course, we need expansion of the isolation and quarantine facilities so that we can actually save more lives and save our healthcare workers. Health reform advocate, Dr. Tony Lachon there and president of the Concerned Doctors and Citizens of the Philippines, Dr. Iggy Agbayani. Appreciate you coming to the show. Take care, you both. Keep safe. Thank you, Iggy. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Karina. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tony. And before we go, apparent superheroes team up in Malaysia to defeat the biggest villain yet. Of course, we're talking about the COVID-19 various. Some residents are showing up to their vaccine appointments while donning costumes of Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man. Other costumes of prominent characters like Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck and even a T-Rex were also seen at vaccination sites. Malaysia has so far administered over 21 million vaccine doses. And that'll do it for tonight. I'm Carmina Constantino. Watch this episode again on I Want TFC or listen to our podcast on Spotify. For recap and exclusive content, subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel or catch up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. See you again tomorrow after the fact. Keep safe.